and the Bruins ended their brief three-game losing streak, their first losing streak of the season. They defeated the Maple Leafs 5-2 to two up in Toronto tonight. Um, guys, pretty impressive performance. You have five goals across the board, um, but none were scored by guys named Brad Marchand, David Pasternak, Patrice Bergeron. So it just goes to show it was a complete team effort. And again, uh, when the Bruins are going, this team has a lot of depth to display. Yeah, and that's and that's the key is, you know, it was a bounce-back game where it's not just, oh, David Pasternak takes over. Like, the, this is what has made the Bruins so good all year is, yes, you have Pasternak having an unbelievable season and, you know, your other top guys playing well, but it's been their depth that's separated them from the rest of the NHL. And, you know, someone that had dried up a little during this three-game losing streak, it's obviously not the only reason they lost three in a row like i'm not trying to blame the bottom six or anything like obviously power play has been been terrible but um you know during that losing streak it kind of felt like they needed the the stars to step up if they were going to win and and they weren't quite able to uh now you get a game where it's everyone else stepping up uh you know it's it's forward on on a shorthanded goal after trent frederick wins a foot race against Mitch Marner, which is, you know, no small feat. Um, Carlo scoring just his second goal of the season, you know, probably the guy more than anyone who didn't necessarily need a goal, but needed to have a good game. Like Carlo in, in particular had a really tough go of it during that three game losing streak. His name's popping up in trade rumors. Like it, it felt like if anyone really needed to kind of get into the all-star break, feeling better about where they were. It, it might've been him and not just the goal, but you know, just the way he played in general. Um, Wednesday night, I thought was, I just thought it was a really strong game for him. Uh, and then, you know, AJ Greer. So you get the fourth line involved. Uh, Jacob Lauco playing his first game in a while. Makes Scott, a nice are you going to leave anything for anyone else to say? Nope. I'm going to cover it all right now. <laughs> just go um, for it. So you get, you get Jacob Lauco. Uh, making a nice play on that. And then Pavel Zaka takes over. So, um, yeah, impressive effort up and down the lineup. All right. All right, here we go. Um, I think that so, was actually, like, shorter than some of the ones I've had. Like, I had, cause I, I, Because I, I, I had at, to cut you off. <laughs> I, I look at, like, the time, and sometimes my monologue goes for, like, three minutes, and I'm like, okay, i got to wrap it up. But that one was, like, under two, I think. I had to hit you with the music a little early today. <laughs> Scott's like that. Scott's like that scene from The Office when Dwight Schrute wins Salesman of the Year and he starts banging his hands on the on the thing. <laughs> so back back to what you were saying, Scott. To to build off of the Carlo point, um, I like before we were even ten minutes into the game, I had already like written a note for the podcast. Like, is this going to be a bounce back game for Carlo? Because immediately he stepped up into the offense and he had a chance where he was drifting down, you know, uh, weak side and stepped right into a shot. And I'm thinking not every defenseman would score on that. And Carlo didn't, but you know, I'm thinking he was doing the right thing. He was, he was heading in. He was um, right there making a play and you could just see a difference with him. Like, okay, he's stepping right in. And then he did it again later in the game. And he, ended up scoring on it. So you could see him playing more confidently and, and wanting to be involved in the offense. And also he had a solid defensive game as well. And to your point about the scoring being spread out, um, 
and not in the, you know, the top six, so to speak. The only people without points that were forwards were Smith, Bergeron, Marshawn, Hall, and Felino. Um, everybody else, including Lauko, like you mentioned, had a point. Um, and Lauko hadn't played it since what November, November third, or it had been since November that he had been in the lineup. So he actually was able to make a good play on the Greer goal and get the puck off the wall and and set Greer off. But um, and then every defenseman had a point except for Clifton. So you just had this all around, like when you look down the the stats on the score sheet, you just see points everywhere. And, and, but surprisingly not next to, you know, Bergeron, Marshawn and Hall again, though, um, kind of quiet. And they moved him back to, well, they moved him with Krejci and Zaka to start the game. Game kind of finished out with check line back together, but um, yeah, just someone else that I had, like there were a few things going into it that I was, wanting to keep an eye on zone entries, <laughs> Taylor Hall, how he was fitting now back on the second line and whether or not Carlo was going to bounce back. So I don't know, Brian, what did you notice in those categories? Bridget, that monologue was just as long as mine. I just want that on the record. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to track them all now. You, now it's Brian's guys, turn. Can Brian beat you, it? You guys keep Jersey jabbing each other. I'm just going to, I want to make it quick and, and throw it back to you guys. I mean, I think, uh, those are all good points, Bridget, and, and, and I will definitely get to them. I'll, I'll get to them as well. But I think so I don't kind of lose track of everything that you guys have talked about. I think the best thing to do is just kind of go back a little bit and just kind of break it down in chronological order. So, like, the to your guys' point about the defensemen scoring, uh, all defensemen scoring a point besides Clifton. I mean, Clifton had many chances to do so early on. He was joining the rush. He had a, I think he had a breakaway, at least a half, half breakaway at one point. Mm-hmm. So he could have been um, – been one of them to, to score as well but I think on the Bruins first goal it was kind of karma because who was it that got called for it was it was it was actually Clifton who got called for a trip I believe but it was a toe pick so um it was nice to see the Bruins kind of get rewarded I mean I guess looking back at it just a phenomenal penalty for Clifton to take because the Bruins score shorthanded so just really heads up hockey on his part so give to, him uh, a point for that yeah absolutely I mean he didn't deserve the penalty but <laughs> But it's a good thing that the refs were were, uh, were off on that one. Um, and, you know, on that play, uh, Trent Frederick kind of, you know, not to overlook this, he beats Mitch Marner in a foot race to get to the loose puck. Now, yeah, he has some size on him and bigger strides, but um, wins the puck, I think it was to Coil, and he pulled up and found Forbert. Uh, you know, what, what's the nickname for him? Derek, Derek Scorbert or something like that, people call him. So, um, yeah, it's good. the scoreboard or, or, or board. Yeah. <laughs> So he he give, he gives Boston a one, a one nothing lead. So did you guys feel that same way? It was kind of like you know karma for the Bruins to to score on that penalty that they didn't deserve. Yeah, I I generally don't really believe in karma. Um, oh, I definitely don't believe in karma anymore. Throw that out the window. <laughs> That's not a thing. Um, All right, but yeah, it, it I will say like it definitely would have been a tough break had they given up a power play goal there, and it, like. That's what you hate to see is like you take a penalty you don't really deserve and then the other team scores on the power play. And it's like, that's just, that's just like a really crap break for a team. So, you know, I think Bruins would have just been happy surviving that, but yeah, to get the shorthanded goal. And, you know, it's crazy. I tweeted this out. Derek Forbort had never scored a shorthanded goal in his career before this season in 407 NHL games. And now he has two in 40 games this season. Like, 
you know, I know we talk about like Montgomery wants defense more involved. And it's like, I don't know if that really necessarily translates to, to the penalty kill, but uh, it is nice to see Forberg get rewarded with a couple of those this year, because obviously he's so good at penalty killing in his own zone and, you know, all the grittier aspects of it, blocking shots and clearing out the front of the net. Um, you know, it's like, I feel like his eyes just light up when he sees that opportunity to, to get into the, into the rush there as the trailer and, you know, takes that pass from coil and just has like all the space in the world to walk in. Yeah. The penalty kill is his domain. <laughs> so he's scoring on it. He, he's on the penalty kill and he just says to himself, it's my time to shine. So he steps into that and he's got a shorthanded goals. And uh, I mean, it was, a, it was a nice play all, all around for him. So <laughs> it's just kind of funny because he did a great job killing penalties the way he always does. But so it's kind of nice to see him score the shorthanded goal too. Yeah, and and his first shorthanded goal of the season, I believe, was against the Islanders in, at the Garden. If, if those um, listening remember that, which was a similar kind of play where he just joined the rush um, shorthanded. So yeah, now unfortunately, wait, wait, does he really have six toes on each foot, or is, is that, that just like a a thing that I saw on Twitter that's not real? It's news I, to me. I think that was just a deceptive photo, <laughs> but. I, I am curious. I just don't know like how I ever asked ask him that question. <laughs> I know. And we see the guys in the locker room and they don't wear shoes usually. And I have never looked down because I don't want to. But like now I'm tempted. Well, now now the next time there's a press conference, and this is what this is what I have to hear. We're gonna go to uh, the guy in the back with the with the Scotland hat on. Hey, Scott McLaughlin, WEI.com. Hey, uh Derek, can you take your sock off real quick? I just, I'm writing a story on uh so, you know, excess excess toes and whatnot. It was uh, tweeted out in case people are looking for it. I think Connor Ryan retweeted it, and I don't know. It looked like he's just taping his stick up like a very normal picture, but like if you zoom in, I don't know who did this, but if you zoom in, there's there's definitely six toes. So, oh boy, yeah. Wow. But like then, then I saw people being like, "Well, is it just like is this are his are his toes just like curled in a weird way, and it kind of looks like there's an extra one? like." I don't know. I, I really didn't want to dive too too deep into that on Twitter. Well, this all, is what you're paid the We're, big we're already too for. deep into it now. I'm getting uncomfortable. Like, I, <laughs> Sorry. I'm, think, I'm, I'm out on feet talk. I'm think, not going to lie. Every time he touches the puck now, I think six toes. I mean, you think that's weird. Scott has nine toes on one foot. But anyway, <laughs> let's move on here. So, um, <laughs> um, so unfortunately for the Bruins, they – they 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 took a second consecutive penalty. This time they 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 allowed a goal. Matt Grizzlick elbowed um, Alex Kerfoot behind the net. And by the way, um, the newest member of the Bean Beanpot Hall of Fame, Matt Grizzlick, and his and his father was it John John Grizzlick? Is that yep. his dad's name? Yep. So congrats to them. Um, but it, it, on this penalty kill situation, the Bruins were able to get a clear. Um, it was a it was a puck that went over the stick of I forget what defense it was for uh for Toronto at the time. But um, puck went down the ice. Bruins thought they had a um a bit of a window there, but it was a good up by by Samsonov to to get the puck to Marner. They had a, the Leafs had quick reentry, tied the game one to one. But what I love about what I loved about the Bruins in this game in particular was that every time Toronto got some life, whether it was tying the game or getting within one, the Bruins responded quickly with a goal of their own. And so after the Toronto tied the game one to one, Boston responded with a great five on five shift and. 
that Carlo go you guys talked about where it was a bit of a muffin. I don't know how that one actually went into the net, but it was but the Bruins deserved good fortune because they outworked Toronto for about two minutes in that shift. I, I liked that uh during the intermission when uh Nesson broke it down, Andrew Raycroft, who uh, you know, obviously expert on all things goaltending, uh literally just said, I don't know what Samsonov's thinking here. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> he, he could like, not even like fathom an explanation for, for what was going on. The only thing he could think of was maybe he was guarding, like he thought it was going to come to the middle, like the guy in the middle rather than all the way across to Carlo. But like he definitely did not slide as far as he needed to slide over. It was kind of in a no man's land of like not close enough to the post, but like also only like halfway out towards the shooter. So it was kind of weird. And Carlo like had this really easy little lob. Yeah, it was it was a bit of a change up, which I think can always throw a goalie off. But yeah. Samsonov, yeah, he didn't get all the way over. He wasn't set. He his stick like wasn't even like Carlo could could have shot five hole because Samsonov's stick wasn't even in position to close the five hole. So uh yeah, I don't don't really know what he was doing. But nonetheless, though, it I mean that was really to Brian to Brian's point, really good offensive zone shift. Um, you know, you end up with Lindholm getting it over to Carlo. Lindholm had been low early in the shift. Carlo had like already rotated down low once. Um, you know, I think that it was the third line that was out there and they, they were strong all game, you know, a few different iterations of it. I think in that particular case, it was uh coil hall and Frederick. I think it was the normal third line back together. Um, and that line was really good all night. And certainly, you know, they, don't get the goal next to to their names, but um, we're obviously critical on that goal. Yeah, and Coyle played a really strong game, not even considering the fact that he had two assists. And I mean, he was just all over the ice. He was protecting the puck. He was stealing puck, like stealing pucks, picking off passes, um, just making smart plays. And he was somebody who definitely had the full sixty minute, one hundred percent effort from him the whole. The whole time and I think he kind of lifts that line he kind of is the energy behind that line a lot of the times and he definitely was tonight because you can see like Frederick's energy following his lead almost um and also he like seemed like he wanted to protect him a little bit uh towards the end of the game when Coyle ends up at the bottom of a pile uh when it ended up being a four on four because Bunting and him were going back and forth and you see Frederick like hop in and try to try to protect coil. And then you hear there was a hot mic moment where the ref uh, yelled at him. He <laughs> was yelling at him and said, um, uh, like get back the fuck up or something like that. Yeah. So, uh, poor, uh, poor coil and bunning. They, they got stuck behind the digital board ad on that one too. Yeah. The ref's butt had the board ad on it. <laughs> I knew Brian was going to notice it. I put it in my notes. I did not. <laughs> Brian, what? I did not. I did not notice that. You know, I got to be honest. The um, I'd be lying if I, if I were to tell you I've really noticed the digital ads lately. I I, I guess oh, I've just gotten was used the to most it. Obvious, Brian. I, I noticed so them. Obvious. Yeah, I noticed them like when they malfunction like that. Like there was another one in the Bruins zone tonight, where I forget which Bruins player it was who was up against the board, and I think it was like a TD. I think it was a TD Bank ad just like straight up decapitated them. Like you just could not see the player's head anymore. Yeah. It's like a bad green screen where it's like some, yeah. like if you were to wear a green skirt, you'd look like you disappeared. It's like what was happening. Yeah. The, the, the digital ads, like they just, 
they just beat me so bad earlier in the year. It was like whack a mole. I'm they just sucked all the life out of me. I have no I'm energy. I'm sorry to that fight. you've you've clearly been defeated by them. <laughs> I have. Hey, you know what? No one to walk away, right? No one to walk away. Um. So, as, as yeah, and yeah, I mean, you guys bring up Bunting. I mean, what a little weasel he is. He's he's not even he's not even like a, an effective rack. Cause like I just don't think he really. Like a good rat draws opponents into penalties. Like he's just out there, like yelling at himself in the mirror, essentially, and calling out refs for missed calls. He's diving, and and he's a, he's he's talk about a complainer. I mean, he's somebody that we I talked about it before. Um, but like he's somebody that's new to this Toronto lineup since the last time Boston played them in the playoffs, and um, over seven games. Believe me, you would you would really uh, he'd be your least favorite player after that. I'm not saying he's a bad player, but he's. He's not. He's not even a whatever. 